1: LAS Studios. Just a heads up that we are not clinical experts and if you need professional help there will be some links and resources listed in the podcast description as well as in our newsletter which you can sign up to receive at las.com/newsletters. Hello beautiful people. Power to the people. This month is a very special month Because it is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I hope you are all taking care of yourselves and your little corazoncitos and checking in with your health needs. This past week, I had the honor of speaking with Cristela Alonso, someone that I now gratefully get to call my friend. Cristela is an actor, a writer, a comedian, but most of all, she is a kid at heart, and overall just one of the dopest and funniest people I have ever had the pleasure of speaking with. I am always so happy to speak with her because she is always speaking from her heart and is just always telling the truth. She's a truth teller. Cristela and I, like a lot of children, remember seeing our parents struggle to stay afloat. And we talk about that as children of immigrants, we are often put in these situations where we have to grow up really, really fast. We have to schedule visits to the doctors for our parents. We become our family's translators and we even have to advocate for our own education. And as storytellers, Christella and I see just how difficult it is for people to support stories that haven't been told yet. Can we imagine what it would look like if we allow audiences to discover, learn, empathize, or simply find, find, find something else. But much of the time, the stories perpetuating patriarchal white supremacy are the ones that are celebrated over and over again. And when it comes to telling Latinx stories, we are often reduced to just this made-up monolithic identity Speaking Spanglish where it fucking doesn't belong. Getting married at the Catholic Church or hanging out with our grandmas as if we don't have anything else to fucking do. How violent it is to expect one person or one story to represent millions of people and thousands of different cultures. Doing this erases the beauty of our differences. And it most definitely erases indigeneity and blackness within our communities. It erases the truth of who we are. When our stories are manipulated and whitewashed, that is happening to serve the purpose of patriarchal white supremacy. And we do this, or we allow this to happen by letting people who don't understand us control our narratives and ultimately influencing how we see ourselves in the world around us. So I think in order to achieve and maintain authenticity in our stories, we need more people of color, green, lighting, inclusive work from the boardroom to the writer's room to marketing and the media. We know that people want honest stories. So give the people what they want and stop telling us who we are because we already know. Grisela, thank you so much for being on my show. I, I want to, first of all, I love talking to you. Like, like since I met you, do you remember when we met? Yes, absolutely. Oh, my God, yes. It was a panel. <laughs> or or was it, it was just like a fireside chat or some shit, whatever they yes. call it. It was between me yes. and you. We were talking about immigration issues. <laughs> yes. And you were leading the conversation. And I was like, I was so fucking scared um, to meet you. First of all, like, senior stand-up, like, fucking thought you were hilarious, admired you so much, felt so seen in your work, even though we've, like, come from, like, different experiences. Obviously, you're Chicana Mm -hmm. and and Mexicana, and I'm I'm, I'm from Colombian uh, uh, heritage, and I grew up in the East Coast. Like, seeing your work, it's just, like, something so familiar to me, and it just made me feel so proud to be a Latina and it made me feel proud of my identity but it also made me proud of like to like know Mexican culture and at least be familiar with it like all like the references that 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 you would touch upon and the way that you would speak it's just it just felt like really familiar to me and I just want to say thank you because you just have opened so many doors for all of us, and you've always been so outspoken and such a fucking badass, and anyway, so so all this to say that I thought, and also, you were, I mean, just on such grown-up shit, you know what I mean? Like, you had created your own show, right? You yeah. had written, starred, in, produced, and produced, and all this stuff. You had your own fucking show. You went on stand up and you go on stage all by yourself and you tell all these jokes and you tell everyone shut the fuck up. <laughs> and so I'm like, she's so grown up. And then I met you and I'm like she's a kid. She's a fucking kid. <laughs> like she's not grown up. Like we can be friends. And this is all great. Um but but not only that, like I was just yeah, I was just intimidated because you were just on your on your game and I just I wanted to be like you and I and I admired you so much. And then when we went on that stage together I had one of the best conversations that I've ever had on those panels and those chats and, uh, with anybody. And oh, thank you! And being considering myself your friend,
0: yes, and you are a friend. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> yes, you are a friend. <laughs>
1: is is a highlight um, in my life. I just want to tell you that.
0: Thank you. You know, I and I have to say, I I felt the same way about you. And actually, you know, it's. It's funny because look, we both do a lot of panels. We both like live in this world where we can talk about issues, things that we're thinking about. And we're very lucky to get that invited into that space where Mm -hmm. we can talk like that. Mm -hmm. But you were someone that in a weird way felt very authentic speaking about stories. And I think that, you know, it's kind of like how they say game recognize game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it's that thing where sometimes you you see you you see and hear people talk and you think well, well that seems like it's not personally affecting you mm-hmm. which is fine look right. doctors researchers, scientists they're not they're not married to the data that they find but let's face it um there's always a connection there's always a personal connection that helps people connect and actually see that, the person is a person, Mm -hmm. right? And that's the thing. You don't find that very often. Mm -hmm. And with me, I remember when I met you, I totally, first thing I thought was, now, I don't like many people, but I like her. Oh my God, I felt that. I felt that. I felt that. I felt
1: that. Yo, I was like, at the end of it, I was like, do you think this is like a uh, like a respect miha situation? Like am I I was like is this a respect moment cuz I felt I felt it too. I was like I knew it wasn't going to be easy. I was like I know she doesn't like many people and like I I mean certainly I I pretend that I like a lot of people. I'm like you're so great and I'm like not at all courageous enough to fucking tell people or to really call people on their bullshit especially in their face or on a panel or anything like that.
0: Oh, I always say I will not say anything behind your back that I won't say to your face.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I felt—I believe me, I knew that. I felt that coming in. I was like, I really hope she likes me. But I—I I totally felt like you, like you were like, okay, approved.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and to me, it's so funny. It's just, um, I think that when I meet a lot of people, I, I always say I don't have a lot of friends. I have many acquaintances, mm-hmm. right? And to me, when I meet people, um, you just kind of pick up what they're putting out. And sometimes it just completely clicks and sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even necessarily mean that I don't like someone. It means that like that energy and mine doesn't make sense. And we don't all have to pretend that we're in this like sisterhood, brotherhood kind of situation. If we're not, I respect you as a person. But let's just say, I mean, sometimes you just don't click. But that's what makes it so special when you find the people that you do click with. Mm-hmm. You know, you get so excited because you're like, oh, this one I don't get to see very often, you yeah. know? yeah, it's kind of like when you when you go to a department store, like when you go to like a Ross or a Marshalls or something and you find something that's on clearance for like nine dollars and it's like super designer and it fits you and you're like, oh girl, I want a day. Like that's how it, <laughs> that's how it feels.
1: <laughs> I want to talk about your first. You're the first Latina to create and write and star in your own show. You're the first Latina to star in a Pixar movie. Yeah. Talk to me about some of the challenges that you've experienced. Like, I know that we've all sort of experienced. I know, right? I know we've yeah. all sort of experienced like different different things and and, I don't know, have been sort of pigeonholed in our own way and have been disrespected or have been elevated or you know sure w- whatever in in our own way but I'm interested I'm so interested in 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 what have you and what you've been
0: through um you know career. it's funny it's weird because even when I when I got the show I didn't it didn't it never felt like I thought it would feel to get a show because, again, I never thought I was going to get my own show. Mm -hmm. So who gets their own show? Especially what Latina gets their own show that, you know, that they write. Right. So it was really weird, but I remember, you know, one of the biggest things that I, I struggle with now that I learned back then was that I remember being on stage. It was a multicam. It was a sitcom. And there were days where the fighting just was so exhausting Mm -hmm. because the show was about my life it was about me and people wouldn't believe that things happened to me or that it was my experience Mm -hmm. or and it was so exhausting and I remember having days where I walked around the set and thought uh being the first one is hard because you really have to take the bullet for everybody else Mm -hmm. so I always said during my show my show's not going to be it, but I hope to open the doors to where we can get our own Cosby show or our own, you know, right. Roseanne or something, because a lot of times when you're the first, you're an experiment mm-hmm. and you've, you find out um, you're in the guinea pig and people kind of let you know without directly letting you know what they think of the community what they think of your stand-up, what they think of you as a person, and they start generalizing. You know, it's funny. And that doesn't only just come from like studio networks and, you know, producers and everything. That comes from the Latino community too. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, so I was actually tweeting the other day about how um, I'm working on this project, right? And I'm and I'm that person. I don't tell anybody what I'm working on. I don't even tell people that I sell it or anything unless it comes on TV, <laughs> like right. unless i know that it's going right. to be seen by people i don't talk about it cuz then you know, you make that rookie mistake sometimes where you, like you're coming up and you say that and then friends and family will ask you about that project years later <laughs> and you're like oh yeah like i didn't get it like you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that thing yeah, yeah that didn't know. work out <laughs> so <laughs> so it's this thing where i was talking to my friend about this project that i'm working on right now and i told her the first thing i think is I don't even have the idea fully fleshed out. And the first thing I think is, man, there's gonna be so many people in the Latino community that think it's inauthentic already. Mm. And the world doesn't even exist. Right. But it's because I went through that with my sitcom. Right. You know, we were talking about, she was telling me the story about how, um, you know, I was telling her people, like, there were a lot of, when you don't have representation, you have to be perfect. Mm. You have to be. Uh, you have to appeal to everybody. Right. You have to appeal. Like, first of all, I say it time and time again, right? Latinos are made up of different countries. Yes. Right? So it's this thing where I, I don't know. Y- your family's Colombian. Mm-hmm. I have no... I'm not familiar with, be- like, being Colombian. Right. I would never write a story about someone's Colombian story right. because I don't know it, right? Yeah. It's it's like... It's it's impossible to think
1: that one Person or one person from the Latino community can represent an entire community, but that is the only thing that white people allow us, and then yes. and then subsequently what Latinos allow us because because there's not enough storytelling, there's not enough representation. Yeah. So when you're out there, they're like, okay, let's see, do it, do it for all of us, and it's like, <laughs> yes. no, bitch, I can't do it for all of you.
0: It's I, so true. I well, can't. Yes. Every, because we only, because we see that we only get such limited opportunities that you want every opportunity to be perfect. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's that thing where you're like, it, it was that thinking where if I, I remember thinking about this when I had my show. When I had my show, you know, I kept telling people, if this show doesn't work out, it's going to be years before they really try to invest mm-hmm. into another show like this. Right. You know, because it just... Because they always say, well, we tried it. We tried it. Yeah, <laughs> you know it didn't we work. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't even appeal to the Latinos. <laughs> yes. I, and I remember. And it's funny because, again, with my show, um, you know, we I used to talk about this a lot where the assumption, my show was in English. It was on primetime. It was on ABC, Friday nights. And the moment that they learned that I spoke Spanish, get out of here. It was done. All the interviews, all the uh, the promo, everything I had to do in Spanish. You know, and I was trying to explain to them, that's not going to work. Right. You have to appeal to people that will watch my show. You're not going to. Yeah. I was trying to explain to them, like, who do you want? Do you want the Univision like Telemundo crowd? Because let me tell you, on a Friday night, if I'm watching a novela, I'm going to watch the novella. That's like, we're leaving into the weekend. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to end good. Like, you know, so it was this thing where I I even talk about how uh, I've talked about it before where it was like, my show came out on the same year that Jane the Virgin came out Mm -hmm. and Gina, uh, I don't, Gina can't speak Spanish. Yeah. So she was allowed to do promo in English because that's her language allowed. Wow. You know what I mean? Like with me. Spanish is my first language, so the moment that they find out that it's Spanish, I have to do all the Spanish stuff, you know? And it's just like, well, but but why? You know what I mean? Okay. It's it's not my fault that I speak Spanish, and, you know, it's not a gift that she can't speak Spanish. You know what I mean? So it's so weird, and, and that just shows you it's nothing to do with her or with me. It's the powers that be above right. that kind of sum you up. Right. Right. Right,
1: they're the ones who 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 decide like who you're going to appeal to, and if you speak Spanish and you have that connection, then they say, "Oh, great! That's that's what that's the the thing that we haven't figured out because we don't speak Spanish and we don't know this market. <laughs> yes. But surely, if we just dump all this shit on her, she's gonna figure it out, and that's just gonna yes. work out. Yeah, that, and that's not how it works.
0: <laughs> no, it's weird because when you're like for me, I you know I'm not you know. I have brown skin, mm-hmm. and for some reason, in this job, in this world, people think that if you have brown skin, you have a, a secret tunnel to connect with people around the country that look like you, mm-hmm. where they don't have to promote. Right. Because it's like, you just tell like, tell your network, and you're just like... Right.
1: Univision's got it. <laughs> Bitch,
0: have you met the people at Univision? <laughs> They don't I got it. <laughs> I, I'm then, like, you know what? <laughs> you think I speak Spanish? Univision doesn't think I speak Spanish. <laughs> no, Univision will laugh at you. Okay.
1: <laughs> Give me a fucking break. So tell me, like, so your show was canceled after one season. Yes. Why?
0: They couldn't understand, you know, at, well, there's a couple things because my show my show never got a billboard my show never got promoted really a lot at yeah, all like yeah. not, never got one billboard dude like not one, one not
1: one fucking billboard not
0: one fucking billboard dude like not one. and i remember like here's the thing right when you wow when you're getting your own show and you're part of the creative process you see you find out things that you didn't know existed so there's a meeting a marketing meeting where the marketing department shows you all the things that they're going to do to market your show mm-hmm. and one of the pitches was literally having talking bus benches that they would put in like east la oh. where it was just like people certain people that ride the bus <laughs> would sit on the bus bench and i would talk to them when they sit like Hey, what's going on? This is Cristela. Like, uh, watch my show. Like, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and immediately in the meeting, I was like, that's completely, that, that's that's awful. That's yeah. like racist that you yeah. assume that. Like, you, like, what are you talking about? Right. Like, and, I can't get a billboard. Right. And so I can
1: imagine like you constantly being in those meetings and being and having to fucking say, no, that's racist or that's not a great idea. Yes. Why can't I just have regular promotion like fucking two and a half men?
0: Right? Yes, or exactly. Like all these
1: other shows that they promote normally and have yeah. a billboard that that's always so nuts to me. I'm like, how do you expect a show to succeed? You put so much money into the promotion of these shows. How do you expect our shows to succeed if you don't give them the same promotion?
0: And also, like, uh, Dan, look, we both like we both see the, like the breakdowns and pilot season and everything every year. How many times have you not read a story where the like the summary is just like you know? Single white woman tries to navigate dating life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> but like with 17 Latin- billboards. Yeah,
1: yeah. 17 <laughs> billboards of this like white lady fucking her students. <laughs> like, the teacher. <laughs> yeah. She's going to come and get you. She is...
0: She's confused. She's bored. Right. <laughs> right. She's got D's to give out. Like you know what I mean. It's just like so weird. Like it's a, and for, you know, uh, my friend Steve and I, we we joke about how um, for some reason we get we get into seeing one narrative out there that you know it's hard, like uh, nobody would. Assume that I like music or that I'm into sci-fi or something because Mm -hmm. for some reason we're not at that point where Latinos are allowed to like sci-fi or have anything or have a story where we're not like in every episode like we did not come to this country to not eat this banana split like you know what I mean? It's just like it's always the same thing.
1: Right? Why do you think that is? Why don't? Why can't they see us like just living?
0: I think it's because honestly, I think it's part of uh, it's part of the industry's fault in the stories that they have helped create with the characters they have helped to create. Mm-hmm. you know when uh, when I was casting the sitcom, I was in every audition and I remember see I like I sat there and I read everybody's resume as they came in and I like everything. to me, it was so important for me to be in that room mm-hmm. because again, Latinos are different so my family was Mexican American so I wanted somebody that could have the Mexican American tendencies that I grew up with you know what I mean of so it's you know so and I remember seeing these like uh the credits most people I'll say 90% of the people that came in didn't have sitcom experience mm-hmm. everybody like a lot of the men had um had experience with drama mm-hmm. where they were cops criminals or, like, detectives, lawyers, kind of like, you know what I mean? It's always right. very serious, right, you know? Right, right.
1: We're not allowed to fantasize or play.
0: Right, you know? Same thing with women, you know? It's always the same kind of similar roles for, like, you know, back then. I, you know, I don't know what it's Things like, Things are you know.
1: changing. <laughs> Things are changing. We're making
0: progress. And it's it's funny because <laughs> it's that thing where... <laughs> that is... <laughs> I... I kind of want a shirt that says that. Things are changing or making progress. But, like, in a sarcastic font. Totally. (laughs) Because
1: that's every time they, like, ask us the representation question, we always, like, have to say, like, well, this is how it's been. And then we have to end, end the interview, like, but things are getting better, you know? Like, otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this show right here. Like, they cast me, so... (laughs)
0: <laughs> totally it's so funny <laughs> i always say like i always I'm, I'm so honest i'm like look this is how it was in my time like i don't know what people are doing now i like <laughs> it could be the same shit it could be not i don't know like you ask them you know For so sure. it's funny part of the problem is that uh we are not given the opportunity to write funny things scary things we're not allowed to write it's almost like um for the most part, if this makes sense, I kind of I call it like uh, I call it like agenda porn, mm-hmm. where it's always a story about something really dark and deep and everything you know, and um, because somebody did that and it succeeded, then it becomes a trend. Right. So how, how many how many of us have seen and like how many of us have auditioned for? Latino comedies, or comedies that have a Latino character, that's actually like a, like a character, and it's like, like a real person. Yeah, and it's
1: like written well, and it's actually funny. Yeah, no, yeah, no. you
0: know. So it's really hard. I think that's one of the problems is that you know, like not enough joy. Is, uh, yeah, th- yes, but you know, um, my what is it? Uh, I I used I say this all the time. When you look in Hollywood, sometimes you kind of see with Latinos, we were around. From Mayan and Aztec times. Mm -hmm. Then we died. Mm -hmm. We all hibernated for hundreds of years. We were never around during Shakespeare. We were never, we don't know who Jane Austen is. We don't know shit. We were just hibernating, you know? And then we weren't even around in Woodstock. Bro. (laughs) You know? Yeah, the 50s, nothing. Yeah, like we got La Bamba, right? Like, like,
1: like, you know and then I mean? because Richie Valens died, we died with him. Yes. It was like, yes.
0: sorry, yes. yes, yes. And then in the seventies, we came back to be like uh, drug dealers and the guys on the streets and everything. You know, and, and, like you know, and it was really weird. Obviously, look, I'm saying this. It's an exaggeration people that are listening. I'm not saying everybody cuz then I know how people are. People will go online and say, "You forgot so and so." I'm not talking about everybody. <laughs> I'm just talking the majority of people. But it's true. It's just where where were we? Like I went to college and took a Shakespeare class and like it was this thing where I'm like, "I don't know why I'm doing this." You know, even mm-hmm. the teacher was kind of like, "Well, <laughs>
1: you know what I mean? well, part? What part can we possibly give you?
0: I. It's that's why to me that's why like when Hamilton came out and I saw it at the public theater before I went to Broadway I was like, "Yo, they're brown and no one gives a shit." Right. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. The Skyler sisters don't have to look identical, and we don't care. Right. Like you know what I mean? Oh, that was such a big deal for me. It was a big, such deal. A big deal. It
1: was a big deal. It's like seeing us like, like. You Like, you fucking don't look like history looks, you fucks. Yes. Why are you yes. over here pretending like, no, everybody was... With the first one, Jesus, playing us with Jesus. Talking about Jesus yes. was white. Jesus was not white. Exactly. Que pena. Pero I Jesus was not white. I, dude, look, brown that, people didn't even exist in biblical times. It's like, so fucked. They're, 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 they're They've been playing us. But now now things are changing <laughs> <laughs> <He's a> dumb <laughs> things are changing for the better <laughs> alright more just more Christella after the break So, Cristela, you went through all this bullshit and even making your own show, and then it was fucking canceled. How did you deal with all that?
0: You know, I, so after my show was canceled, I decided to do a stand-up tour. I was going to tape a Netflix special at the time, and um, stand-up's my thing. Mm-hmm. I love stand-up. Mm-hmm. I love stand-up. Stand-up has never been, like, the stepping stone to doing anything else. Stand-up is stand-up. And honestly, I think that that's why I was so, uh, for lack of better words, like, uh, ruthless, insistent on calling out bullshit during my show because I thought, what's the worst that can happen? I go back to stand-up. Right? You know what I mean? Like, this is what I do. But I remember, you know, it was interesting. We were averaging about 6 million watt of viewers a week, which is really good. That's we lot. were getting like a, yeah, we were getting like a one, I think like a 1.1 1. 1 or something like that average, which was good back then for Friday night. And I did this stand up tour and I sold out every show and I would do my stand up and it was the energy when I would come out. I realized that the people that were there to see me, they just felt like they had been seen on my show. Mm -hmm. And it was something, that's the research that we never get to talk about. And that's the connection that, you know, so many people don't get to do, you know, like actors, actresses, directors, writers, everybody, all of them how many of you go out and see and actually talk to the people you know and connect with them to see what they want to talk about mm-hmm. what it like how they react to it mm-hmm. so I would do this stand up and then at the very and I never mentioned the show and then at the very end I would just say uh, some of you uh, might know me from my show Christella and the audience would erupt and they wouldn't stop like from just for for like the longest while they just could not stop cheering. And it was in that tour that I realized that the people that got the show they they weren't like people didn't know they existed. And it was I didn't know they existed because mm-hmm. again in that world Ratings don't show you how much people love your show. Mm -hmm. They show you how much people watch the show, how many people watch the show. But they don't show you the amount of love that they have for something. You know, that's something you can't see. And I did this tour and I called it like a thank you tour because I was thanking everybody that had watched my show. And I didn't meet and greet after every show, and I still do a meet and greet after every show. You know this. I know you and do. Like, I, know like,
1: <laughs> I feel bad cutting the line. Like, sorry, sorry, <laughs>
0: sorry. I'm just gonna say hi to Christina. And I'm like, who the fuck is this bitch cutting the line? You know. And I, I, th- I do a meet and greet, and I, during that tour, I thanked everybody for watching the show because I knew that they were the ones that allowed me to stay on the air the entire season. Because, I mean, hey, TV shows get canceled after two episodes, like sure. an episode, you know what I mean? Sure. So, and I remember, I felt like shit, Diane. And, the you know, I I felt like shit. And there was a part of me at that moment seeing the audience, which, by the way, like people on social media will like post, to, like I know people that I've met at the meet and greet lights mm-hmm. that I talk to like, mm-hmm. like we're friends, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so it's that thing where... I felt like shit because it felt good to see that they responded to my show, but it was heartbreaking that I didn't have anything else to offer. And I wasn't ready. People people kept saying, like, when's your next show? Mm-hmm. When's your next show? What are you going to do next? When's your next show? And I'm like, I don't have it. You know, ABC was like, let's go. Let, let's do another show. Like, you had the show I, I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. I'm not doing it for money. I'm doing it because I really love to fucking do this. Mm -hmm. Like you had the show that I wanted to do with all my heart, you know? So I remember that was 2015. I recorded, I shot my special in 2016. Mm -hmm. Uh, I shot it in August in San Antonio. I did uh, some Trump jokes. And I remember the Netflix executive covering the special came, uh, came to me and said, you know, I don't know if you want to get rid of the Trump jokes or something because, you know, it looks like Hillary's going to win. You know, this is you know right. So, so, right. Like, like it might be dated. You know what I mean? And I was like, no, like, let's just keep them. No, no, no. Like, this is this is my set. And then when he won in November. I was just, you know, so many of us were so devastated. I didn't know how to process that. And. Like, no joke. Diane, I sent an email to my agents. I sent an email to my reps, and I said, "I I don't want to work on anything. I don't want to create on anything. I don't want to develop anything. I was lucky that I I'm so good with my money mm-hmm. that I didn't have to take jobs that mm-hmm. I didn't want to because mm-hmm. I I keep a very like very casual low cost life, you know, and um. You know, somebody recognized me at the dollar store once and they were like, Why are you at the dollar store? I thought you had money. And I'm like, bitch, that's how you keep your money. You go to the dollar store. I fucking love
1: it. I love it. People are always like, Why are you here? Like, bitch, can I live? I'm trying to save my coins too. You don't know how you don't know how this works.
0: I don't need Chanel disinfectant spray. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so, but it was this thing where um, I just I didn't feel like I was in the mood to make people laugh because I didn't think that we were ready to laugh. We right. were I, I, so many people that I knew were scared to death. They were scared shitless yeah. of yeah. the unknown, and honestly, that's when I realized I fell into such a bad depression. Yeah. Like the worst one of the worst depressions I've ever had, and I now realizing I look back and I'm like, i have always had I've always struggled with depression, I didn't know it mm-hmm. you know because mm-hmm. if you don't have access to therapy or anything, you know like you're just like, oh I'm having a bad- i'm I'm in a bad mood, you know what I mean Mhm. But I was bad. It was really bad. I didn't want to talk to people. I cut off ties with everybody. You know, I didn't want to do anything. I remember in that email to my agents, like to my reps, I was just like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I want to do. Like, don't approach me with anything. Like, I, I need to figure this shit out. Right. And I started working really, I started working so much more with the with like community and like trying to be an advocate and talk and just anything that I could do, you know, i like to me, I was so confused. I'm like, uh, I will go to jail, I will be arrested, I will do anything if it means that somebody pays attention to Mm -hmm. what is going on. And I remember just thinking, you know, what really bothered me and this is something – I think this is actually one of the moments that made me realize, like, I had to go to therapy. I have a psychiatrist. I have a therapy now. Like, I tell people, like, you think having money is about having designer bags? Like, I got therapy. Absolutely. That's real money. You know Absolutely. what I mean? So it's that thing where – um remember the time when uh it was, like, Anthony Bourdain, Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Kate Spade had taken their own lives mm-hmm. and everybody on social media was posting the, if you're thinking about suicide, call blah, 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 you know. And I realized so many of the people I was seeing post that were my friends that never checked on me. Oh, shit. And it was that thing where I'm like, oh, this is for likes. Yeah. You're, you like, I'm not saying everybody. Right. You know what I mean? But there were people that, like, I used to talk to a lot that then I just fell off the face of the earth and, you know, they never noticed that I was gone, Mm -hmm. you know? And to me, it was like, damn, I never wanted to, like, I I have always said that uh, being Catholic really, you know, I'm like, I'm so, I would never do anything to harm myself at all. It's Mm -hmm. the guilt, you know, but it's that thing where I was like, man, I need help. I don't know what I'm doing and I have to deal with a lot of shit. The show, the way that I was raised, you know, because, in, in, you know, so I, I squatted the first seven years of my life, mm-hmm. my family, we were homeless. We lived in an abandoned diner. Then we moved into this little house, you know, so like survival was all important. Mm-hmm. And then the show, the way that I was treated on the show was the breaking point. Mm-hmm. And not just by the networks and stuff, it was by some of the writers. And you realize that sometimes the most painful thing is when you trust somebody mm. with all of you and they disrespect it so much that I felt like, was I even worthy of being respected? Wow. And I'm not kidding. During the Trump presidency, the administration, that was like, I turned off everything. Mm-hmm. I just didn't. I I started working on myself. Yeah, I started like getting on meds. I was very scared of getting on meds. Uh-huh. You know, it's that stigma. What like, was, you know, what was
1: that like? What was that like?
0: You know, I so I went to a psychiatrist to have him evaluate me so that he could make sure so that he could. Decide like so that he could figure out what I had. He wasn't sure if I was bipolar or if I was like severely depressed You know, it's like so so he figured out that I struggle from severe social anxiety, which is why I don't go out in public a lot. Mm-hmm. It's so weird that I have this job. I love doing what I do when I'm on the stage. I love it, but yeah. everything off stage terrifies me. I I don't go to parties. I don't go to do and like I go do the work and then I come home mm-hmm. and then I watch Murder She Wrote. Like that's it, right? Yeah. So yeah. you know, it's that thing where um, he told me that he wanted to put me on some meds, and I was so worried. And I remember he he described it. Um, he described, he compared my, he compared brains to circuit breakers. And he always, you know, and he was like explaining, you know how a circuit breaker, sometimes you, like the power goes out in your house, your apartment, and then you have to buy like a little, like switch or something to kind of replace it and the lights come back on because the circuit breaker is made of different things and they all have to click together to work. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's what meds are for, like, you know, mental health. Right. You know, he's like, if if I told you that you had high blood pressure to where it was serious and you could possibly die, you would take medication for it right. because it's your physical body. Right. But why is it that when it's mental, we start thinking, oh, well, that just means, you know. So when he described that, I was like, fuck, you're right, because... I found out I was diabetic mm-hmm. and I was on meds for like my diabetes, like my diabetes still am obviously. And it's that thing where I'm like, when I found out I was diabetic, I didn't, I didn't pause you for didn't a minute hesitate. and be like, yeah, I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I should take my, like, oh man, I don't know. I don't know about this medication for my diabetes. But like when he gave, when he was suggesting meds, I was like, I don't know, man. And then I thought, you know what? Fuck it. He's right. I mean, if you're, physically sick, if you're physically ill, mm-hmm. if you're struggling with your health, you take the medication to feel better. Mm-hmm. Why not for your mind? Right. And I took it. Dan, I gotta tell you, I think I started seeing him two years ago, and I am like a completely different person. Wow. Now I still judge people. Okay, of but, course. But but there's no medicine do... for that. <laughs> <laughs> But I I judge them in a happier way.
1: <laughs> I love it in a way that doesn't affect you now.
0: Yeah, yeah, like in a way that it just brings me joy. I was judging people <laughs> wrong all this time, but now, I, but honestly, it works so well for me that now I talk about it all the time. Yeah, because I'm like, we got to talk about it. We got to normalize it. We got like. That's why I love the name of this podcast, because you got to be able to say that you're not okay. Absolutely. And it's okay to be, it's okay to be not okay. Because, yes. you, you know, it's yes. like, it's not, it's okay to not be okay, because then when you're okay, you, you remember what it's not to like, to not be okay. You got to have that difference, you Absolutely. know, because that's what, it, like, you got to have it. It's that thing. You got to have the bad times to know when the good times are good.
1: So how did you take that step toward getting help?
0: You know, honestly, uh it was my friend Steve. My fr- Okay, so my friend Steve, my relationship with him really taught me a lot because uh he's this like um middle-class white Jewish guy from Texas. You know, we both we both met doing stand-up. And when I met him, I realized how different my life was from him. Mm-hmm. And how I had learned to really do without because i really didn't have any way of getting things Mm -hmm. he actually taught me about medicine yeah going to the doctor like and going to the actual doctor you know going that was hard because people think that if you're an adult you just go to the doctor you know what i mean people think that when you're an adult you just automatically do things but if you don't if you're not raised like that, if that's not your experience coming up, then how the fuck are you supposed to learn? Right. You know what I mean? So right. um he was with me throughout a lot of stuff, which now, you know, looking back, in 2008 I was really depressed and uh he made me go to a therapist that was on a sliding scale. And literally, I'm not even kidding, Dan. The last session that I could afford. <laughs> The therapist was like, I think you're depressed. And I'm like, well, that's a fucking cliffhanger. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. To be continued. Never. <laughs> like, you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just like, oh, okay. Well, that's a, that's a fucking se- season fin- That's a series finale, She's, really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <It's fucking laughs> season two coming up. So, yeah. So, um, <laughs> I had to stop going because I couldn't afford it. I didn't have insurance. I didn't do anything. You know, like I, I had to get a show on TV to get insurance mm. so that I could go to the doctor. You know, wow. I was always broke. So um, this time things were so bad that he he was like, I, I, we need to find you someone like, mm-hmm. would you go? Would you go if if I found you someone? Mm-hmm. And I was really hesitant. Because at the because then I remembered I couldn't afford it the first time. Right. So why the fuck do I want to start this journey that I can't afford? Right. You know, uh, this is stupid. What if I find something out about myself and then I can't – I don't have the opportunity. I don't have the luxury to, like, you know, invest in myself. Awful feeling. Right. Like, that is why I think, like, the fact that people can't fucking afford this kind of shit and it's not as accessible to people, it pisses me off because of that. Yeah. But, you know – um he's like, we need a he's like, let me find someone. And uh, we ended up I you know, I'm I'm I ended up I'm this person, I walk everywhere in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Nobody like in my neighborhood, nobody knows what I do for a living. They just know me as the woman that walks the neighborhood. Uh-huh. Like I go to all the local businesses. There's a therapist <laughs> down the street that I was like, Oh, he's in walking distance, I'll go to that guy. Yeah, and yeah. I saw him for a bit and he recommended this the psychiatrist that I see now. And then the psychiatrist. uh, Then I realized that the therapist and I didn't click, and that's another thing. Mm -hmm. People don't realize sometimes you don't click. Sometimes you don't. That doesn't mean sometimes that doesn't mean that therapy is not working. That means that that didn't click. That connection right. didn't click. There's other people. Like yeah. so don't think plenty, that it didn't Plenty work of fish for you. in the sea. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like it's especially like in I'm LA, it's like it's like a dating app for therapists. Like you just got to swipe until you find the one. You oh, know what I mean? Oh, for sure. For sure.
1: That's why my first session, I don't go hard. You know what I'm saying? My first session I'm like, exactly. I don't know you yet. <laughs> know. I'm not going to tell you about my drug problem just yet. So
0: so, I love that you. I love that you. are like a perfume sample. Like I'm just gonna open up the little pad, take a sniff, see if you like it. And you, you know, you
1: gotta see if they're fucking judgmental. You know what I mean? You gotta see yes. how, where they're coming from, and if honestly, if 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 they've ever had experience with someone like you, you know what I mean? Yes, I, I yes, yes, yes. I think that matters. Yes,
0: and you know it's funny because I my psychiatrist, uh, like um, he suggested a therapist that works at the same office that he works at. And um I tried her. I literally started going to her like the week before the lockdown. hmm So like Oh perfect timing. Again, so we had like we had two in-person sessions and then the lockdown happened and I'm like, wait, why does this keep happening to me with the therapy? Like why does it just keep ending when shit's getting good? So we've been doing <laughs> but we've been doing zooms. Yeah. We do zoom sessions over the like. I have to tell you when you might when you meet the right one mm-hmm. that clicks with you. Mm-hmm. Whoa, the yeah. change is just insane. And that's one of the reasons that I talk so openly about how I'm not okay. Yeah, because in a weird way, it almost seems like I know that people. I know that a lot of people don't have access. Mm -hmm. to the access that I have. Mm -hmm. So I like to talk about my experience to see if that clicks with anybody else, just so that they know that their struggle isn't only happening to them. Absolutely. You know, because that's sometimes, that's why I say, that's why I love the title of this podcast again. It's like the I'm not okay. You got to be able to tell people that you're not okay because other people are not okay. And if they hear you say that you're not okay, that means that, they feel good. They can feel better. You give them... I mean, that's the thing about, like, for me, that's why I say, feel shitty if you want to feel shitty. Like, do everything. Sulk in it, you know? That was the thing that I tell, you know... When you came to see the show in in Largo that I did in twenty nineteen, Jesus, right before oh, no. Wow, right. Before, <laughs> yeah, right before the shutdown. You know, I, I tell the you know, I tell the story about being with the Huerta when, you know, during the election, uh, the twenty sixteen election, and there's always that piece in the story that I remember where she just I told her that I had been crying and she tells me, like, go ahead and cry. Hmm. like feel bad go ahead and like just cry feel bad feel terrible like and then the next day whenever you're ready you get back to work absolutely and you go do this and when she said that I was thinking we really need to give ourselves permission to just accept the feelings that we're feeling at that moment mm-hmm. because you're feeling them from a reason mm-hmm. so you know for me I'm like I might not feel great at times, but I know it, and on it you know how was how was growing up how how
1: were you like were you allowed to feel those feelings i mean i know i I might at
0: times no no no, yeah, yeah. no on. like well, like for me uh one thing that I talk about is how you know my mom was undocumented mm-hmm. for a big chunk of my life before she got her resident alien card. Ooh. <laughs> Was it like the little?
1: Was it the little alien emoji face like on the card?
0: I can imagine. We never, we never got one. So I just love that the word like resident alien was on top. Like, what the is my mommy tea? What the fuck is happening? Like, you know, like <laughs> but my mom, my mom and I were very close. I think. She probably was the closest to me in sharing her experience, like her childhood, everything. And I was a kid when she was telling me these stories. And I was also very hyper-aware as a child how much she was struggling. And my mom had a really hard childhood, very abusive, Um, you know, lived in a ranch, no running water, no electricity in Mexico. And I... Found myself when I was a kid never being allowed to be in a bad mood mm-hmm. because I always had to be very happy to try to cheer her up when she wasn't feeling great, yeah. and that became my job. Mm-hmm. My job was literally to entertain, which is why I ended up getting into this business because when you like with my mom knowing her history when I could make her laugh or smile, that was the connection that felt so pure to me, Mm -hmm. that that's what I like to try to give to people now. But in order to be able to do that now, I realize as an adult, I have to allow myself To not always be like that, Mm -hmm. you know, but it is that thing, you know, everybody starts this business for a reason. Everybody does something for a reason, you know, and to me, it really has always been about that moment of joy that you can make someone feel, even if you're doing something sad. Because people love to see dramas as much as comedy. Right. People love to feel things, whether it be happy or sad, because in that moment, they suspend disbelief and they're in this world where you are what they are reacting to. And for me, that's why Like that's why I don't do a lot of this shit. That's why I don't try to create a lot of stuff that's just like a money grab. And that's why I, I say no to a lot of things, yeah. you know, because to me, it's just like... What's it doing? What, what is this doing? And, I, like, I'm not saying that certain projects are, you know, like like beneath me or anything. Right. I'm saying that, like, what am I feeling right now? Mm-hmm. What am I in the mood right now? What am I – like, if I'm not feeling this right now, then I don't do it, you know, because you have to kind of really be honest with yourself. I because it. I tell you, people, people know when you're full of bullshit. They might not know that you're full of bullshit, but they know that something's off about you. Mm -hmm. They know it. They feel it. The audience knows when you're not genuine. The audience knows when you're not authentic. And I'm not saying just in stand-up. I mean in everything.
1: Coming up... How Cristela learned how to drink milkshakes and roller skate at the same damn time.
0: The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at Elias.com
1: slash sweeps. Cristela, who were some of your comedy heroes growing up? Who inspired you to follow this dream of doing stand-up?
0: You know, one of the biggest, uh, one of the first moments I thought that I could, well, here's the thing. Actually, I take it back. I used to watch stand-up a lot as a kid. I never knew it was a job because I grew up in a family where jobs had to hurt, Mm. physical jobs. Thinking jobs, what are those? Right. You know what I mean. Like if you went home, like if I went home and like told them I wanted to do something, they'd be like, oh, "Okay, you're gonna get paid to think." Okay, stupid. Like you know what I mean. Like, like you know what I mean. So it's that thing where it's totally foreign to them. But I remember growing up, Margaret Cho mm. was one of the people that I saw, where she was talking about. Like her immigrant parents, she was talking about that experience. And you know, what's funny is that to me, I never thought, oh, she's Asian. I just thought her mom sounds a lot like my mom. Mm -hmm. Like her experience is sounds so much like me. And there was something so cool about it because she also spoke like me. You know, she right. she had that, you know, it's that weird thing where, look, Spanish is my first language, right? But in English, you know, I, look, I grew up here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like that thing where we talk like we talk, even though people, some people might think that the way that I look, I should be talking with an accent. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, for me, she was one that I realized, like, wow, you could just be yourself and talk about what your life is about. And people can laugh at it you know and it's funny because now looking back I was always attracted to like the the female comics obviously you know like to me Wanda Sykes is you know I'm very lucky to call Wanda Sykes a friend it's that thing where you never think that you, you know you never think I never thought I was gonna do any of this right, shit like right. you know what I mean like you know? now you like, get to like <laughs> talk to like all your favorite people you're like yeah you know yo, let me just call Wanda real quick <laughs> It's 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 surreal. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's 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 surreal. But look that, look
1: look what everything like giving yourself that opportunity, look what it does.
0: Absolutely. And look, and let me tell you. I understand. I come from a, you know, I come from people that don't have the luxury to chase after their dreams. Mm-hmm. Because it's always about survival, too. You got to survive, you know, but it doesn't mean that you have to stop doing what you love to do. You're not maybe going to do it professionally because I always say life gets in the way. Things might not work out the way you wanted to because life got in the way. That's life. That's not your fault. Right. But if it makes you happy, you got to keep doing it. You should always keep doing it. Don't give up on it. Like yourself. just don't quit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. What are the,
1: some of the ways that you practice self-care and, like, take care of yourself, like, physically and mentally? Other than, of course, seeing your psychiatrist and your therapist.
0: <laughs> you know, self-care is something that I really struggle with because I feel like the term has become such a, a shopping option. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that it's become so commercialized that people don't understand what self-care is. You know, so for me, uh, I really like being outdoors, Mm hmm. And I, I love to be by myself outdoors. You know, I like being around people. oh well, let me take it back. No, I don't. <laughs> I love the honesty. You have to be honest with, with, no. with yourself and us. <laughs> no, it's that thing where um, I love to hike. But hiking is one of those things that you can't do with everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to find the right group of people that that match with you, you Mm -hmm. know, that go like the same speed that like to, you know, like not stop as much or stop as often or, you know what I mean? So it's like you kind of have to vibe with people. But to me, I like to go hiking on trails by myself. And it's just beautiful to me. I get so much thrill out of so many things that don't necessarily like try so hard to be just recognized and beautiful. You know, it's like you can, you hit the summit of a a trail and then you see this beautiful view and the mountains are just like, we don't even try We're just fucking beautiful every day. Like, you know what I mean? And it's just so like for me, Diane, one thing that I think that helps me deal with so much, meaning that, you know, life shit, everything, like things on TV, what's happening in society, the culture, like the denial of problems that have existed and just everything, you know, like Mm -hmm. everything, you know, one thing that makes me really survive – And thrive at times is knowing where I came from and not taking anything for granted. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm 42 years old. I live in an apartment. I have friends that are like, what are you buying a house? I'm like... Bitch, I grew up in an abandoned diner. Like, this is already, like, such a big deal. Like, my apartment has a dishwasher. Like, I don't know. Like, do who thinks about a house? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, to me, I'm like, I, like. it doesn't, it's not a necessity for me at the moment. Right. You know what I mean? It's that thing where I'm like, I just love to be where I'm at. Yeah. To me, I I appreciate things on such a high level. Meaning that on such an extreme level that um, I think a lot of people like to be around me to experience it because I, I can't help but share the, like show the joy when something mm-hmm. is just so exciting to me. You know, um, my ex, you know, Steve, my best friend, he he gave me my first milkshake when I was probably 27. And... I remember we were at the drive thru at Steak and Shake, yeah. and he's like, "You want a shake?" And I'm like, "What's it? No, I hate them." He's like, "You hate shakes?" Then like, yeah. And then he's like, "Do you like ice cream?" And then I'm like, "Yeah, I love ice cream." And he's like, "Then you fucking love shakes. What do you like? like what do you mean? You don't like shakes?" And then I said, "Oh, my mom told me they were they were bad, so I've never had one." And I realized that my mom told me shakes weren't good because she couldn't afford to buy me shakes. Wow. So she told me that they were they were bad. So my entire life, because my mom told me, I never craved a shake. Wow! And he, he, he got me a shake and I tasted the shake and it was so fucking amazing. <laughs> I couldn't stop smiling and I was so giddy and just like so happy because at 27, I had learned about something I didn't know existed which were milkshakes. Like, it wasn't a thing for me. And the joy, the happiness I felt was so overwhelming that that's the kind of thing I do for Mm self-care. Any kind of thing, like, I'm learning how to roller skate.
1: Mm.
0: Never learned how to roller skate as a kid. And I just wanted to learn how to roller skate. So I started roller skating this past year. I'm terrible at it. And I'm learning, you know. But it was that thing where I was like, I, I don't know how many adults my age would think about roller skating and actually try to do it, mm-hmm. you know. I think that the pandemic probably helped people become more open to that. But it's that thing where the first moment that I could do a, a round around this, like, little, like, rink kind of thing that I was going to. Yeah. It blew my mind. Can't, it's, can't describe it. One of the best feelings of my life. So my self-care is actually trying to do things. I like being outdoors and I like doing things. I don't like saying no to myself. Yes. Meaning that I don't like saying no. So anything that I want to try, anything that I want to do, I fucking do it. I have a Miss Piggy hand puppet behind me. I like. I bought the Miss Piggy puppet because I was like, "Fuck it, I want this puppet." Like that's oh, how I live my life. I'm obsessed. my apartment. Like you know. Like, yes. Yes. Get yourself you know? the Miss Piggy puppet. <laughs> yeah. Like, why not? Who's like? Who the fuck am I living this life for? Like, yes. you know, my. My, you know, I had to grow up really quick. I took care of my, you know, I helped my sister raise her kids. I had to take care of my mom until she passed away. Like, I never had the childhood. Mm -hmm. I never had the childhood that people had. And I've talked to my therapist about this. And, you know, she was like, it seems like you're living your childhood right now. I'm like... Fuck yes, I am, and I, you know, and she was so happy that I was so aware of it and everything, and that I just indulge in it because, again, what I indulge in just makes me so fucking happy. Like, you know, I I tweeted the other day that I wanted a a life size model of the the chair that Pee Wee Herman had at his playhouse, and I'm like, who can make me this fucking chair? You know what I mean? And it's like that thing, yeah. I I I, like yeah, imagine it, and it can happen. Yes, like. anything like diane who the fuck says we can't do this like even like who the fuck says we can't do this like honestly people like people will say like uh somebody gave me shit on uh instagram like i remember a while back where they're like dress your age and i'm like what the fuck how do you dress your age what the fuck like what does that mean like what do you mean like like, you're younger than me and you dress older than me (laughs) like what are you talking about like you know it's that thing where you're like we live so much by the expectations of others that, fuck, you, you, again, it's what I started out with. You're never going to, you're never going to make everybody happy. So fucking make yourself make happy. Make yourself happy. Make yourself happy. I love that. And I also
1: buy a lot of toys. And that's yeah. why I love you, Chris. And that's why I'm always like <laughs> checking out, you, peeping out your shit. I'm like, oh shit, she got the Kermit. She got the Kermit sneaks. Yeah. <laughs> she got the Kermit Adidas. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me! I'm the same. This isn't even my house. You don't see all my chit, chit is behind me. I have lots of toys, and I can't wait to come and fucking roller skate with you and play with your toys, and then you could play with my toys because I want. I, I those things bring me joy too, and I don't. I don't want to fucking give them up for anything, and I want to continue trying things for myself and seeing what I'm capable of. You're right when you say that. That that part of self care for me it's the same when I when I show myself that I'm capable of something that's my Mm self-care you know that I'm capable of joy Yeah, that I'm capable to see myself fucking do something new yes
0: and look and and I also said self-care at the beginning I said that you know I also think that it's become like a shopping option and by that I mean that it like I don't think I think that certain industries certain companies try to expose it for like you know to make money Mm -hmm. but I'm not saying that if you want to spend money on something, not to do it. So like, I, I, you know, I have, to make a, I have to make a point to say like, if you like getting your nails done and that brings you joy, go get your nails done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that thing where I'm like, I just want people to know that self-care, self-care is a vague term that's very specific. Mm-hmm. Vague in that it can be anything you fucking want, but specific because the end result is for you to feel good.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. And I love you. I love you too. You make me so happy. I love, I love, I love everything that you say, everything that you work on, and I know I why I love everything that you work on and that you everything that you do is because I know that it comes from you and something that you actually really really want to do. I mean, I fucking know how many things you turn down. I'm like, can I have her jobs that she's turning <laughs> down? They're like, no, Miha you're not funny. I'm like okay. Give me that Cristella. Give me those Cristella offers, bitch. She ain't taking them. She ain't in the You're... mood. By the way, you funny.
0: You are funny. When you is, are funny. When is
1: America gonna realize that I'm funny? You <laughs> bastards. Give me money to be Hold funny, on. so we can fu- so we can buy all the roller skates. Shit. Yeah, all the
0: roller skates. We're gonna open up a rink. I love that idea. And yeah, I love, I love,
1: I love that these days I'm very like imaginative because I'm like, let's fucking make that happen, bro. <laughs> like I'm like these days I'm very believing in myself these days, and it's because well because you can, yeah, you can, you can, you can, you really why not?
0: Can. You can. I mean, look at us. Yeah. Diane, I mean, honestly, look, uh, seriously, look at us. I'm looking at your fucking face right now. Look at you. Look at your story. Look at my story. Are you fucking kidding me? This is a perfect example of going after what the fuck you want and actually getting it to the point where now there was a part of me where I got I got to do what I wanted to do and I'm like fuck, I can't believe this happened. Like mm-hmm. you know, it it could all it could all go away and even at the end of the day I would say like I fucking did it though. Yeah. I she, fucking did it. She sure did. Like we like, dude, we did it. We, we did, it. did it. We did it and
1: we're doing it and now we're like even fucking smarter doing it because now we know that we need help doing it and we need Hell all of yeah. these little things to
0: keep us, you know, to keep us playful and joyful. Yes. You know, uh, you know one thing that I learned from the show that I started doing, people would, um, people, friends, well, acquaintances that I have, they would like send me messages like, hey, I just, I, I'm making this deal with this network or I'm doing da da da. Um, they would ask me help for contracts, you know, and I'm like, okay. This is what's going to fucking happen. They're going to come at you with this credit and they're going to be like, oh, you're so lucky to have this credit. I'm like, that's a bullshit credit. You fucking tell them you don't want that credit because they're going to give you the other credit. You know, I'm like, that's what I did and blah, blah, blah. And and they will get that credit. Yeah. You know, and it's that thing. And it's that thing where this goes back to like when you get it, then you got to share it. Oh, yeah. You got to share it because then like I want to find people that are better than me. You know why? Because then they'll fucking tell people that I, that I, that I, like, that I helped them, that I, that I knew them, I, like, I I can say, I knew them when. Yeah. Like, it's more me. Like, you know, it's that thing, like, I want to find people that are, like, fucking better than me. That's what you're supposed to do. You know what I mean? Like, man, can you imagine? I don't want to. Can you imagine if I thought I was the peak of everything? Fuck that sad. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. What I, mean? I say
1: the same thing too. I'm like, I'm like, I love like creating, and I love, I love doing all this stuff. But I want to like fucking share it too because I want to see, I want to see more people doing this work.
0: I don't want to yes. fucking do all of it. Jesus Christ. Yes. I mean, like, dude. I, no, man. Look, I, I'm 40. I'm a four. I'm I'm in my 40s. I'm Latina. I am like a week away from playing a grandmother. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> 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 I never went through that You're like not, Latina, though. like the Latina sex pot shit. I did not do, but the abuela, ooh girl, like a week from now, I'm gonna give you some wisdom, like Mija. I love, I love it. Latinas
1: have wisdom at like 15 and shit. Like, let me tell you something. I fucking seen some shit. Because we have, it's true. we it's have. True. That, we don't even get to grandma status. Like the only grandma status, uh, the only person playing grandmas now is um uh fuck. I'm gonna come on West Side Story. Oh, Rita Moreno! Rita Moreno! She's the only one. All of us, we're still playing, and we're still playing fifteen and sixteen. God bless us. That is are so not, true. You are not playing the grandma, the uh, a a Rita Moreno is, and she's like you know, she's everything years old. She's everything. She's, ever, <laughs> she's everything years old. So don't worry, she got all the grandma parts. We still get to play the young, the young Honestly. weirdos.
0: Doesn't Rita just give you, like, hope in that thinking, like, she is, like, she looks amazing, she is amazing, she is just everything, like, I'm like, I want to be her now, like, yeah. I want to have her energy now.
1: Oh, she's great, <laughs> she's doing it, and I, I they, she gives me hope, Dolores Huerta gives me hope, yo, everybody, everybody out here just, Dolores. Like, doing it.
0: Dolores. Dude, she just turned ninety-one. Like, that's wild. Like she just turned ninety, and she, she turned and she ninety-one. She still got time
1: to tweet talking about y'all still ain't done with the work. Like, that's what <laughs> she does. She's <laughs> like, I'm ninety-one. You bitches better get to work.
0: Dad, when I see Dolores, her kids will let me. Uh, like, let me like close out the night with her. They're like, do you have her? And I'm like, yeah. And we will stay up till like four in the morning. That woman can drink. We drink. She dances. She everything. Like that woman at 91. Ooh. I love that. Oh, man. Oh, I love that. And you're going to gonna, be that, you know, you're going to
1: play her. <laughs> That's that. I, think, <laughs> I don't know, man. You're going to play her. I'm saying, I'm putting it, I'm putting it out there. I mean, you could play anything you want, and I think you should play her.
0: You know, uh, I'm going to name drop. Okay, go ahead. Because it's important to the story. But uh, years ago, I was doing The View. When I was a guest hosting The View, I was, um, I would love to go to New York to host it for the week. Because, again, they weren't promoting my show. So I was going to The View to co-host to promote my show. And I became friends with Whoopi. And mm-hmm. while I was there in uh, New York, I would go see Broadway shows at night because the show was taped in the morning. And I remember seeing Cabaret with uh, Emma Stone and um, Alan Cummings. Mm-hmm. And she knew I was going. She knew that I was a big Broadway person. And the next day, she um, she asks me like, "Hey, how was the show?" I said, oh, you know, I forget how much I love that show. Like, I just love that show. And um, I was telling her something. Like, man, I really wish I could play that character, Sally Bowles. But, you know, she's, you know, she's white. And Whoopi is like says you can't play sally bowls who the fuck says she's like no (laughs) you can play you can play sally bowls you can play any role you want like you she's like you can do anything you do it you put yourself as sally bowls and and she started this whole thing where she was just you know it's funny because like sometimes people will tell you advice or they'll tell you something and you're like yeah 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 but you know (laughs) right there's like her Because she did it her own way, Mm -hmm. and she was able to pave this career out of her saying and her doing, it meant something when she said that. Because I was like, you know what? You're right. Like, you're right. This woman, she's like, one woman show on Broadway, like, you know, comedian, Oscar winner, everything. Like, who the fuck am I to say that Whoopi's wrong? You know what I mean? It's like, she's a perfect example of that. You know what I mean? So crazy.
1: I'm, I can't wait, like I said, to see you in person. But until then, I wherever I see you, wherever I catch you, it always brings me so much joy. And let's continue being in each other's lives in whatever way that is.
0: So, 100%. I adore you, Diane. That. Thank you so much. I mean, you, and by the way, thank you so much. You, I consider a fellow... Um, a fellow in public person, meaning that um, I love what you stand for. I love when you fight for st- fight for things, even when it doesn't seem like it is um, the popular thing to do. Mm-hmm. But I, you do it because it means something to you, and I want you to know that I see that because a lot of people don't, and that's okay because it might not be their thing. Mm-hmm. But if it's something that speaks to you, I'm you know take the opportunity and you do that. So, you, I love that.
1: Thank you, honey. I appreciate <laughs> you so much. Un beso grande. Say hi to your plants for me and Miss <laughs> Piggy. I, I'd invite you over, girl, but I have so many plants. I didn't need a machete to clear off a path because, for you. Sorry. Kids. Sorry. I'll, my plants are all taking all the seating space. Sorry. get pena. I'll see you later. I love you. love you too. Yeah, no, I'm not okay is a production of LAS Studios. Remember to rate and review our show. I just found out that it helps other people find it. So if you like it, share it with your friends. The more people we can get to have conversations about mental health, the better. If you've got a story you want to share about how you deal with mental health issues, send it my way. Record it on your phone's voice memo app and email it to No at lasstudios.com. And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to get the latest episodes with a note from me. Recommendations from our listeners and our team and listener stories. Sign up at las.com slash newsletters. Jessica Pilot is our talent manager and producer. Our executive producers are Leo G and me, Diane Guerrero. Web designed by Andy Cheatwood at the digital and marketing teams at Southern California Public Radio. Thanks to the team at LAS Studios, including Taylor Kaufman, Kristen Hayford, Kristen Muller, Michael Constantino, Robert Joe, Mildred Langford, and Leo G. And a special thanks to Brian Crawford. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. Additional support comes from the Angel Foundation, supporting transformational leaders, and by the California Healthcare Foundation, dedicated to improving the mental health care system for all Californians.
0: LAist Studios. The Colorado River is running dry.
1: Water may not reach millions of people.
0: If there's no water, there's no water for everybody.
1: It's up to California's lead negotiator, a 28-year-old.
0: This is a historic thing coming.
1: And six other negotiators to find a solution. I want an agreement that lessens the pain for all of us, not just some of us. Listen to Imperfect Paradise, the Gen Z Water Deal maker wherever you get podcasts.